Fan Morning Show, Sports Night 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning. Yes, somebody help Kevin Kiermeyer. He seems to be the only guy that's up for the challenge when it comes to hitting postseason pitching. That's not entirely fair. I get it. Bo had a couple of hits yesterday. Vladdy. Hardest his, hit ball in the game. His first postseason extra base hit. Hey, Matt Chapman had a hit that should have been caught. Um, but yeah. And he largely, had a caught that should have been hit. <laughs> so all in all, even Steven for Matt Fairsies. Chapman. Yeah. yeah, except the, the one off the wall would have been a little bit more significant than Just the, a bit. the single to center field of the bat of Matt Chapman. By and large, though, the Blue Jays bats going silent despite the the one run against Pablo Lopez and the Minnesota Twins. Pablo Lopez was real good. Mm-hmm. It wasn't overwhelming. That's no. the thing. Like, he had three strikeouts in that baseball game, a couple of walks, gave up five base hits. Also, watch the at-bats. There, there were opportunities for the Blue Jays to capitalize mm-hmm. and some hitters' counts and some fastballs arriving in those hitters' counts that were not punished. You know who punished the, the mistakes? Or the 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 fastballs, the predictable fastballs in fastball counts. Royce Lewis. Mm, yeah. But and it, I mean, if there's another thing you can take away from yesterday's game that has been a narrative all season long, besides just the overall lack of offense and the outs on the base pass, it's that the Blue Jays do not hit mistakes as hard as they should. No, they shouldn't. This has been stuff we've talked about all year long. For as much as we have belabored the point, and rightfully so, about Lack of approach and what are you doing? Do you have a plan up there? Are you just going up willy-nilly hacking? Sometimes we definitely overstate the criticisms. But the other one that is kind of skirted below the radar because there's been so much, rightfully so, talk about that is the missing of cookies. We have seen it. And look, you can go pick any player in baseball. There's a handful of cookies that they missed in any given year and you can screen graph the thing and it's going to look really bad. It feels like it happens an inordinate amount for this baseball team. It does. I don't know how many cookies they're going to get from Sonny Gray today because he has uh, allowed uh, perilously few home runs (laughs) in an overall sense this season. Did not allow one. No cookies in his house. Yeah, did not allow one in his one start against the Blue Jays this season. Uh, they got to get to him, or at least the uh, the Twins bullpen, and Jose Barrios has got to hold the fort for the Blue Jays if they want to extend their season beyond today. Shai Davidi in Minneapolis, Minnesota, joins us right now. He of Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. How's it going, man? All right. How are you guys? Uh, I'm, all, I'm all right. Um, yeah, it's it's hard to, and I know I started the, the conversation with Jeff Blair the same way, but it's it's the only, or it's the first takeaway I had after watching the nine innings of baseball yesterday was that that was so familiar that there was a chance. And I guess there still is a chance. Not, I guess there definitely is a chance for the blue Jays to totally remake the narrative of the season, be the team that we all hoped they would be this year and live up to expectations and erase some of the larger questions that surround the roster makeup this off season with an incredible postseason. But for one game, nine innings, they not only failed to do that, they played right into the narrative. Yeah, I think that's certainly a a reasonable way to look at it. At the same time, they, there was a little bit of baseball there yesterday too. A lot of baseball. Like if Matt Chapman, if that drive from Matt Chapman is a foot to the right, say, you know, it's probably hitting off the wall. The Jays tie the game and maybe they keep rolling. Right. You know, Vladdy just missed another pitch. George Springer 
crushes a ball off Duran, and it's a great play by Donovan Solano uh, in the ninth inning there. So, you know, those are just a few of the balls that that really stick out. You know, Michael A. Taylor had a great day in the field. He stole extra bases from, I believe it was Kirk as well, with a diving grab. That's part of that is playoff baseball. You know, the Blue Jays do that to other teams, and, you know, the Twins did it to them. So, you know, there's there's a part of me that's like, it's not that bleak. But, yeah, they did miss some pitches. And I think, you know, one of the reasons dudes miss pitches in the central uh, in, the, in the center of the, the zone is because pitchers are really good at disrupting timing and messing you up and, and catching you in between. And so, you know, have the Blue Jays been caught in between more than other clubs, it, it seems that way. But then you watch other teams and, you know, they're having similar issues. So it, it, they certainly haven't been to potential. And I think that's where you come down. And that, and that becomes the, the bigger question, is that, is that evaluative or is that process-driven? And so that, again, we've, we've spoken about this a number of times this year. You're right. It, it was familiar for those reasons uh, in game one, but we've seen it go the other way too. I mean, you don't win 89 games by accident. So, you know, can that change? It, it certainly can. And now it quite obviously has to. Yeah, this is it. It is literally do or, or die and your season's over or you can force a game three. It's it's right there for you. And, you know, I, I hear your point. I hear what you're saying about the plays Michael A. Taylor made. But, you know, the twins would sit there and tell you, uh, yes, agreed. That's why we put him there. That's what he's supposed to do. Like he is a defense first. I know he's been hitting a little, but he is a defense first center fielder. And, you know, if Dalton Varsho makes a great play like he did in left, we don't say, ah, them's the breaks of baseball. We say, yes, that's what you're supposed to do. And, you know, we've talked about it. We've talked around it and certain so much, but when you just look at the names and maybe we feel a little differently about them than we once did at the top of that Jays order, it is just so frustrating to see a group be unable to come through. And I think the problem that leads to frustration as well is that they kind they didn't come through but they had their chances like Vladdy has to like I said the hardest hit ball in the game comes with his extra base hit and I think the eighth there and then they're just not able to do it and you know that's where it gets to a point of more fundamental things like we've had this conversation about scoring runners from third in with less than two outs do you see it as something they're not tactically doing or do you just look at it a little bit as them's the breaks of the game I I, I don't think it's one thing right these Issues are often multifactorial and sometimes they're situation driven. And sometimes, you know, like the examples we gave with, uh, with, with Chapman and Guerrero and Springer and, and the, the hard hit balls, you know, I mean, sometimes you just get beat, right? Uh, that, that happens. But it's the at bats that where where you, 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 it's really not your best foot forward. I think Bo Bichette be the first to admit that his at bat after the Vladdy double there in the eighth, Ooh. not, not his best, <laughs> not his best moment. Right. And is that partly, you know, the uh, emotions of the moment, the anxiousness to get something done, the uh, maybe over aggressiveness, you know, that I, I have trouble faulting, guys for for that for wanting to make things happen but yeah there are times where you have to reel it in and so that hasn't happened at different points and so i just think it's a number of different elements coming together it's you know guys trying to 
really, really deliver because they, they so desperately want to win and maybe coming out of an approach or expanding or however you want to describe it, uh, it's sometimes uh, just a, an approach that's off to begin with. It's sometimes tip your cap to the other club. Uh, it's all those things. And, and ultimately, for whatever reason, it's just felt like this offense has just been a tick off all season and just hasn't been able to, to lock in the way that you would have expected. And, and again, that just goes back to my point earlier. Is this evaluative or is this process driven? And that's, and that's something this, the Blue Jays will have to figure out. Yes, they will. Um, the Blue Jays offense did enough to beat the non-Royce Lewis twins yesterday. Like, you take Royce Lewis out of the lineup, twins don't score a run. I mean, I guess somebody has to play that position, and maybe maybe, maybe he also comes up with base hits. But that, the Royce Lewis did a number on the Blue Jays yesterday with his two home runs, two-run homer in the first, and then the, the solo shot to right field. A guy that I had my doubts about his availability for this series in general, considering the comments that were coming out of Minnesota and and – whether he was going to be on the roster or in the lineup, like his ability to to play at the peak of his performance was in doubt. It's, again, like this was a guy himself, Buck Martinez on the, the broadcast talking about, I don't think I'm going to be on the roster. And then the, the quote that was publicly available is like, yeah, whether I have to be a cheerleader or whatever, like it's uh, I'll do whatever's asked of me and goes out and hits two home runs. I wonder how the Blue Jays approach him today because he he, he feels like he is a man on fire. I mean, maybe don't throw fastballs where the Blue Jays threw him fastballs. I think that's a, good call. a pretty good a pretty good place to start. I mean, he's a very good fastball hitter. He does a ton of damage on heaters, and uh, you know, I, I, I get the the first one's three two, but you know, Gosman admitted he missed his location by by a wide margin. You know, the second one's middle middle, and it's definitely not Gosman's best fastball. It's ninety three point five, I believe, on a three one count. Yeah, it's definitely, I mean, you're giving in there and you definitely don't want to be giving in in that spot. And so, you know, maybe there, there, there's a bit of pitch calling there that's at play and, and that's something that the Blue Jays look at. But I think that's where, where you start. And when he, when Lewis walked and was on the bases later in the game, it was pretty clear that he is not running well at all. And so... He he clearly is a limited player, but you can still do enough in the box, even though you can't run. You, you can do all the other things, and, and he clearly showed that. He so, can trot. Yeah, it was like he knew yeah. he couldn't run, so he's like, better only have to jog today, boys. Right, exactly. But, you know, I think that piece, you... You, do, you you know you pitch him a little bit better you pitch him a little bit smarter and maybe you don't give in and just are willing to take walks and doing every, do everything you can to avoid damage because that's the big thing you don't want to give in and you don't want to you don't want to help t- uh, help hitters who are hunting mistakes and that's really what plays in the postseason we, we know how much trouble this team has had. I mean, just scoring runs at any point in time is difficult. It's really difficult if they're behind late in a, in a game. Do you think that they're a different team if they get out and score early? And that's not to say that if they are able to scratch one across against Sonny Gray in the first inning that all of a sudden it's going to be a seven spot going up on the board at some point in time. But it feels like, one, the pressure, obviously, of playoff baseball, the later it gets in a game and the less success offensively you had, it feels like this team has been one to press when that's the instance. And then the other part, 
part of as well. It just allows Schneider to run his pen in a little bit of a different way. Like, how crucial do you think it is for this Jays team to get out there and take a lead early at some point in this game? I mean, it, it's always it's always crucial, but I think the bigger point that you're sort of getting to there is it it really just impacts the game flow and how uh, how a game feels for one team, how a game feels for another. And if you're the Blue Jays look at going into this game, if you fall behind after the frustrations of yesterday and, fought, and all, all the frustrations of all season long, I mean, that exists. And as much as, you know, you're supposed to block that out and you're supposed to be able to compartmentalize, that's just, it's human nature to really lean into or experience or feel what's gone on through throughout the whole season. And so a lead certainly changes the dynamic a little bit. It maybe takes some pressure off certain guys, especially on the, or when you're on the road, it's, it's much harder to play from behind on the road. You've got a pretty hostile crowd in talking to some, some people around the twins yesterday, they were, sort of shocked that the crowd was as energetic that it was. He said that that's pretty atypical. Don't they know so, how this normally goes? What are they being so excited for? Yeah. Yeah. But they were, they were, you know, you take them out of the mix too. And all of a sudden, you know, that, that the whole flow maybe changes the whole feel of the game changes. And so can the blue Jays do that? I think that would obviously be wildly beneficial for them, but Sonny Gray is tough, and Jose Barrios may have a hands full. Yeah, and they, they're, they're not allowed to score in the first inning also. Uh, 12 consecutive games without scoring a run in the first inning. We know the run differential in the first inning is their worst of any of the nine innings that they play in Major League Baseball. And there's been a bunch of weirdo stats for the Blue Jays this season. I think the most notable one, the one spending the most time thinking about, has been the home road stuff. But that first inning thing... Also, yeah, it, it deserves some conversation and, and probably hasn't been given enough of. Like, I, I, maybe that's just a fluke weirdo thing, but it does feel like maybe you can adjust your pregame routines. Like, what, is do you have an understanding as to why that's happening or if there's anything being done to try and counteract that? Well, I would expand it a little more beyond the first inning and just say, in general, and I don't have data in front of me, so uh, this is a little anecdotal, but it, it certainly feels like that first time through the order, they have a tougher go against the starting pitcher, and then the second time yes. through, they start getting a better read on him, and then there's a little bit more pressure at that point. And to to a certain extent, that's okay. You've got some information, now you're adjusting to it, and, and that's a good thing, but then why is that happening right out of the gate uh, because you know one one trip through the order is a pretty significant uh, contribution to the other side it's so, three innings for this team it, yeah is <laughs> i mean if there were look if there were smoking guns there were obvious answers to this then they would have been addressed right i, I just i keep falling back to what where where's sort of the 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 gap here is it in the evaluation of players that you're expecting more from uh, or is it that 
the the talent is there that this should work but in in construction it just hasn't and mm-hmm. that's that that's really to me the overriding question for the blue jays going into this offseason they're going to be different next year coming back just naturally because of free agency and things like that but where where is that gap you know it's it, a year ago we were talking about you know the 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 plays in the margins and that led to the focus on defense and, and base running and things like that, you know, and this year it's like, okay, you addressed that, but it still didn't come together. So, you know, at this point we're really sort of into the, into, into the mortar part of the bricks and mortar construction. Has the evaluation on that already taken place over the 162 game sample of the regular season or does it continue? Like, cause fans are going to their opinion of this team can change wildly, right? And I, I guess to a, an extent, obviously, like Blue Jays win a World Series now. It's it's, it's a hard to have any take other than yeah, we we did it, we we did it right, and who cares about the 162 game regular season? But it is it's such a di- a sport that is so different this time of year, and this is the most important part. Although the sport is played over a larger sample, how much of the evaluations that you're talking about in figuring out what happened this year, and whether it was just a fluke thing or whether there was some process stuff that was messed up? How much of that is still happening in the small sample of the postseason? Well, I mean, for me, I'm, when I say evaluative, I'm not talking about sort of evaluating the individual players. It's evaluating how you got to the decision that this is the guy that we want, mm-hmm. right? What did you see in the player that now that you have him and he's performed the way he's performed that didn't add up to what you were projecting, and that that's what I mean by evaluative, right? Like it's it, it, what, we, what we see on the field is pretty straightforward, right? It's how did you get to these decisions? What did you potentially miss? And well, okay, but, but it, like, so I, let's take Dalton Varsho as the example, right? Because what you're talking about is is maybe the front office was like, hey, we targeted these skills that he has that we thought would translate well to this baseball team and they didn't necessarily in the ways that we thought what was our process? Was it sound? And what happened? Like, say Dalton Varsho hits three home runs today, and he goes on this tear the rest of the postseason. Does that change how you're evaluating the acquisition of that player and, and your decision-making process as, as to whether it was sound or not? I don't think you're allowing a 10- or 15-game sample to take away from the body of work, ultimately, right? You can't – you could pick any two-week sample – and it could be amazing. Like you could take any two week sample from Miguel Cabrera's career and it could be either unbelievable. It could be like, Oh, this guy can't play. And you could do that for every single player. So to take one small sample and say that changes everything. I mean, that's pretty flawed. Maybe at that point you get into a hot streak. You're, you're saying, okay, well, was there something process driven at that point that led to the change in performance uh, and that we can try to extend over a wider sample? But I mean, there's just, there's just so much randomness within uh, the scope of a baseball season. You can't just isolate one, one period of time. And just think how many guys had like great postseasons that you would not want to run out there for 162 games. I mean, there there are countless examples of that over the years. So I, I don't think that's where you're changing it. Ultimately, this isn't the offense that the Blue Jays thought they were getting. 
or that the Blue Jays thought that they had from a front office perspective. And then that's the why question this offseason because they did not believe that they would have trouble scoring runs in this way. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they thought, okay, we've got the defense piece. We're still going to have plenty of offense. We'll be okay without Gurriel and Teoscar Hernandez. And that has proven to be wrong. And so why, why, what were the assumptions made? What were the evaluations? What were the projections that were off? And that's how you figure this out going into the off season. Uh, before that you go, I, uh, along the, the, the line of thought surrounding that, um, Gabriel Moreno hit his first postseason home run yesterday. And, and the Blue Jays obviously knew that he was a valued piece and, and had a, a, a sky-high potential. But if I understand correctly, and, and looking at what he was throughout the course of his minor league career, and even in his brief sample at the major leagues with the Blue Jays, it was, hey, this guy's a great defender, and he can probably hit for a high average, maybe has some on-base skills, but man, that there is a limit to that. There's a ceiling to that when the power is as limited as he's shown in his professional career. That seems to be changing for him, like since July. And, and that home run yesterday was not an outlier the second half of his season. Well, you can speak better to this. What was the understanding of his power potential as a Blue Jay? The thing that I remember is that there was a lot of talk about how do we unlock this or that it's there, but is it going to present on a consistent basis? And look, again, it's, yeah, it's been a bit of a longer stretch, but over 162, is that what it's going to be? You know, I think back, to the day after, two days after, whatever it was, when the Blue Jays made the Aaron Sanchez for Derek Fisher trade uh, at the deadline. And Sanchez and Joe Biagini went over the Astros and were part of a combined no-hitter, while Derek Fisher ended up catching a fly ball with his face. And and, and that juxtaposition. (laughs) And then everyone was like, oh, how could he do this? But ultimately, that deal ended up being pretty... Accurate from a value perspective. Everybody stunk. Right. And so uh, generally to sort of pick it one arbitrary moment and say like, oh, this was a miss or whatever. I think that's like, that's dangerous. And that's sort of uh, an emotional reaction as opposed to what, how you're really going to look at it. You know, I I do think that Dalton Varsho is going to be a a good player. And I think he'll probably go this offseason, make make a couple adjustments to his swing, come back next year and find find a much better offensive year. And then we're having a different conversation about this than we are right now. So, uh, you know, I think Gabby Moreno is a super talented player and there was always going to be some upside there. Uh, he's got a chance to be one of the best def- defensive catchers in, in the National League who hits for some average with with a bit of pop. Uh, is it going to be 30 home runs? Uh, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, Dalton Varsho, I, I think he's got a chance to hit 30 home runs and have an OPS in the 800s. Mm-hmm. But, you know, both players have to get there. Both players have to show that. It'd be a nice, like, bounce back for him, like, after Gabby Moreno hits his first career postseason home run if he hits one today. That'd be a good, good move. Good, good, good uh, PR move for him. I would suggest it. Uh, Shy, enjoy the game today. Thanks for doing this. All right. Take care, guys. All right. Shot of Edie. Getting set. Blue Jays and Twins, game two from Minneapolis, Minnesota.
4.30 today on Sportsnet, Sportsnet 590 The Fan. And it's great to hear Dan Schulman and Buck Martinez on the call on Sportsnet. And Dan Schulman back doing uh, postseason baseball with the Toronto Blue Jays. The Americans who are watching this series are hearing from our next guest, along with Michael K. Alex Rodriguez is going to join us next. He's on the call for ESPN of this series, was involved in the previous game, most recent game the Twins won in the postseason in 2004. He's on the other side. Uh, he joins us next. The Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Annis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Covering the Blue Jays from an analytical perspective. Jays Talk Plus with Blake Murphy. Be sure to subscribe and download Jays Talk on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, The Fan, Ben Ennis and Brent Gunning. And I've been trying to squeeze some potential positive signs out of the Blue Jays' 3-1 loss in Minnesota yesterday to go down one game to none in this wild card series. How's that going? It's so I got something else to throw onto the fire here. <laughs> I got the bullpen was was good. The manager didn't make any mistakes, and here's what I got now: Minnesota Twins win their first postseason game since 2004. Well, the last postseason game they won was Game One of the American League Division Series against the New York Yankees. After that, they lost three consecutive mm. to lose that series. In four games. Let's talk to a man who was part of that game. Alex Rodriguez, three-time American League MVP, on the call of Jays Twins for ESPN. How's it going, Alex? Thanks for doing this. Hello, gentlemen. I'm doing well. Thank you. All right, so let's let's start with Kevin Gossman yesterday, who was the Blue Jays' unquestioned ace during the regular season. He's had his issues against the Twins in his career. There's been some thought around these parts that he's been tipping pitches. What did you see from him yesterday? Well, I just saw that an offense was really comfortable against him. And sometimes when you're used to getting a lot of chases on fastballs up and splits down and they feel so comfortable uh, at the plate, I think that sometimes can affect the pitcher's psyche a little bit. And then you try to overthrow a little bit and you take that fork ball and you try to, you know, tumble it a little bit more. And as a result, it starts either hanging or you bounce it and they're non-competitive pitches. Um, but uh, either way, I thought he competed really well, and he gave his offense an opportunity, and Minnesota pitched well and uh, played better defense. Yeah, they uh, they certainly did play better defense. They certainly pitched better, and uh, yeah, that's not a knock on, on Gosman. You know, you uh, I will stick with him for, for just a second there. You know, when, when a team is able to, maybe it's not a true tell, maybe it's not a true tipping, but like you said, they're just comfortable. What does it do for a team like the Twins who, you know, there are players on that team who have played in big games, looking at Carlos Correa, but there are a lot of guys on that team who are going through it for, for the first time. Uh, what does it do to a team, do you think, to let them have that comfortability in the box in, in such a big game yeah well look baseball is a game of inches and in the the postseason in october is a game of centimeters and any little edge you can have whether it's physical or mental and and i'm not necessarily saying that i know something that all of you or the fans do not know but just from watching and studying body language either they have a tip or they're just seeing the ball extremely well collectively and as an offense and usually there's always one or two guys that are going to swing and swing in, in an ugly matter. But when you have a collective effort where everyone is taking pitches, you know, 2-0 splits, 3-1 splits, like they knew it was coming, 
then my antennas go up, and that's what the Blue Jays staff would be focusing on to make an adjustment and make sure that he's not uh, relaying anything, or perhaps that he's hiding the ball a little bit better against his offense. Yeah, uh, he wasn't great, but the Blue Jays' offense had an opportunity to come back in that game. They were only able to muster one run, granted, against a very good starter in Pablo Lopez for the Twins, and and the bullpen was great for them, too, and Johan Duran throws 103, which is is difficult. Um, But in an overall sense, Alex, this Blue Jays' offense has been the problem for this team all season long, so no surprise to see it be the problem again yesterday. You look at the names on the back of the jerseys, and, and you wouldn't necessarily guess that. What is your take on on what's happened to the Blue Jays offensively this year? Is this a surprise to you to see them struggle to score runs? It's a surprise, guys, but I got to tell you, I think they're a sleeping giant. I think uh, the worst baseball's behind them, and I do think that with a right-handed dominant lineup, especially with their best hitter in Guerrero, um, who was fairly pedestrian this year, all he needs is, you know, a little bit of momentum, uh, he hit the ball well. He had a really good approach. He had a good double. He also almost had a home run, another home run to right center field. And uh, and he looks good. I mean, the, the challenge for, for the Jays is this is a sprint, not a marathon now, and it's the best out of three. And, uh, you know, I do think that if they can win today and build a little momentum, the longer they play, the scarier they are. And I do think that this is a team that has the depth, the defense, the bullpen, and they have a primetime player, uh, both in Vladdy and Springer with postseason experience, that can go the entire way. But the key is you've you got to get going today. So we saw we saw the difference in the game yesterday was the the long ball. And, you know, with the guy who's going to be on the mound for the Twins today in Sonny Gray, it's not to say you can't get him, but he really doesn't give him up. It's just been eight all season long for a team that is really trying to burst out of it because they've been slumping offensively for a while. It has been in trouble for them scoring runs. Do you think it changes the approach at all to have a guy up there who doesn't really give up the homer and it makes you kind of realize, okay, we are going to have to scratch some things across as opposed to just hope for the big blast at some point in time. Does it change the approach at all with a pitcher like Sonny Gray who just does not get bit by the homer? Well, yes, I I do agree with that. I I think that the approach has to be, you know, think small and big things will happen. And I think there's two keys for the Jays' offense. Number one, the lefties have to step up. Belt and Biggio break up these righties nicely. So you need those guys to step up. And then with Vlad and company, you have to be able to pass the baton and not try to do too much. Uh, you have to stay within yourself, and there's no such thing as a grand slam with nobody on. So trusting your teammates is going to be vital for them, and, and trust the process. Um, you know, Gosman was fairly pedestrian yesterday, but he gave him an opportunity to win. Um, and I do think on the road it's important. The first three innings, they got they get a, have to come out of the gates, uh, you know, on fire and make sure that you get those Minnesota Twins fans and, you know, put them to bed early if you can. Yeah, which is not going to be easy for a team that hasn't scored in the first inning in 12 straight games, and and that's the the inning they have the worst run differential this season, talking about the Toronto Blue Jays. You mentioned Vlad Jr. and and kind of the the down numbers that he had this season. This is a guy that... When he had the season that he had being the best hitter in 2021 and finishing second in the MVP award voting, we were like, oh, he's arrived. This is it. He's finally living up to the potential. And last year was a step back from that, but it was still a very good offensive season. This year, it's 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 hard to argue the same, Alex. He's only 24 years old. I get it. And, and there's still lots of baseball left to be played 
throughout the course of his career. Is this just one of those things that he's, he's having a down year early in his career and can get back to the 2021 uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr.? What, what have you made of, of the first couple of seasons of his Major League Baseball career? I think Vlad Guerrero is one of the top five hitters in the world. I think he'll be in the Hall of Fame. I think the Blue Jays are very, very lucky to have him, and I think he's lucky to be uh, – he is Canadian <laughs> uh, to be playing for the Jays. So I think that, that marriage is made in heaven. Born in Montreal, too. Um, look, that's right. That's right. That's why I said Canadian. But, look, I think um, – I spoke to him yesterday. He was in high spirits. We were talking a little Spanish over by his locker room. Uh, he, he actually admitted that he felt this year that he pressed a little bit too much. He expanded the zone a little bit too much. And this is a fresh start. And now he said there's no longer a marathon. It's a sprint. But when you look back um, at, at, at a guy like Vlad, it reminds me of, you know, Big Poppy, Manny Ramirez, Albert Pujols. The comps are to the all-time greats. And even though this is an average year, it's better than 99% of the league. And, uh, you know, for him, it's just to think one game at a time. But I think one swing early can not only change the series for him, but also for the Jays. And they'll only go as far as uh, Vlad Guerrero Jr. can take them. Well, and how different are these playoff at-bats to, to regular season ones? And we know after the double that, that led off what it was, the seventh inning, he tried to rally uh, the Blue Jays' dugout, and they were unable to even move him over to, to third base with, with fewer than, than two outs. But how different are, are these postseason at-bats, both in the pressure that they present, but the potential for if you have a good game, that carrying over and, and going on an extended run? Yeah, look, look, Ben and Brent both, uh, I think that the key and the frustration that I have with Moneyball, um, I think Moneyball is losing ball, and especially in October, because a lot of these analytics, while they work in a marathon of 162, uh, it does not work in a short series. And a perfect example is you have a leadoff double, uh, and there's very little effort to get that guy to third base. You're trying to hit a two-run homer, um, and as a result, you, you get a big zero there. And instead of being three to two, it's three to one. And then the mountain keeps getting higher and higher. Um, in October, it's, it's imperative to be able to advance your runners 90 feet. Uh, you're going to have better pitching, better bullpens, better defense, better umpiring, a lot of media. So everything is going to be exaggerated. So when everything is being exaggerated, you've got to go back like the old Blue Jays championship teams. They were able to execute the fundamentals at the lowest level and play small ball, and big things would end up happening, like a Joe Carter home run on the left field line against Mitch Williams. Uh, talking to Alex Rodriguez here, and you, you are positioned to answer this question better than most. And we've asked a lot of people this question about the idea of the pressure that somebody like Vladdy feels. And there's a lot of important players on this team, Bo Bichette, George Springer, but every time we have this conversation, all roads always lead back to Vladdy. And you would know, you had the pedigree, you had the, the success. What is it like when you are feeling the pressure to carry the mail offensively for your team? And, you know, you played on some great teams where you had a lot of help around you, but you played on teams where you needed to be that guy. And again, in your conversation with Vlad, I don't know if he touched on that at all, but you would be better positioned than any to just explain what that feels like, what he's probably going through right now. Well, I'll tell you what he's not going through. There's zero fear in that young man's eyes. Uh, he's fearless. Uh, he's grown up in the big leagues his entire life. Uh, for him, it's just a matter of, you know, self-imposed pressure that he's putting on, on himself. Uh, he's got such great character that he wants to, you know, step up and be that guy for the Blue Jays and for the whole country of Canada. 
But but to me, it, it's really about everyone talks about who's hitting behind you. I think the key for Vlad is, and for any big-time hitter, is who hits in front of you and how often are they getting on base. Um, because if there's nobody on base, you can be very, very diligent about how you pitch and how you approach Vladimir Guerrero. Mm. So my focus would be today on you know Springer and, and Belt and make sure that those guys are having productive at-bats and put Vlad in a situation where a sack fly – a double can be a game changer instead of coming up, nobody on, two outs, and Vlad has to be a hero. But as far as pressure, I don't think that's something you have to worry about with Vlad. I think he's uh, you know, very well positioned and poised to be that guy, but he needs some help around him to get him going. Yeah, and, and getting a, a great start from Jose Barrios today would be a step in the right direction. I don't know if you had a chance to catch up with him yesterday, but this is his former team. He said he was talking about his son going to be at the, the game today. He was born in Minneapolis, this is a Twins team that he had some great success playing for, but also one that traded him away. I understand the circumstances surrounding that, that they were not going to sign him to the extension. He ended up signing with the Blue Jays. But I imagine there's always something in the back of your head. It's also not the first time he's faced his former team. But I imagine, Alex, there's always, as, as a professional athlete, something in the back of your head whether it's revenge, call it whatever you want, that, that maybe motivates you against a former team. Do you think that that can be a positive for Barrios today? You know, I think it can be, but I think, I think Jose has been through a lot over the last few years. He's made some tremendous adjustments. I do like him pitching uh, right behind uh, Gosman, <clears throat> excuse me, who's a north and south pitcher. He's more east and west with a sinker and slider and changeup. Uh, I think that's a good presentation. But, you know, you have enough um, storylines, you have enough big chip on your shoulder that you don't need any extra uh, motivation at this point. Uh, Look, if you lose, you go home. Uh, If you win, you play tomorrow. Uh, And that that should be the focus uh, for Burials and uh, the Jays. Yeah, certainly. That's what they, they want to do. Uh, one other player I wanted to ask you about in the series, not on the Jays, but on the Twins, is uh, Correa. Obviously, he had the big play, gutting out Bichette at home. What are you seeing from him? This is a guy who had a long, long layoff, longer in the tooth. How is he looking physically to you, and wh- what did you make of him in game one? Are uh, you talking about Correa? Yeah, talking about Correa there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, look, I, I feel the way uh, about Correa the same way I feel about George Springers. Ironically, they're both... Uh, Former Astros, they're both former World Series champions, and they were both were the number four. But I think with guys like him, and I put Vladimir a little bit in this category, although he hasn't proven uh, to be a World Series champion just yet uh, and perform at the highest level uh, with the brightest lights. But guys like George Springer and Carlos Correa, regardless of what happened the first six months, they're going to be ready to play uh, in these situations. One has 19 home runs postseason. Carlos is 18. Uh, these guys are primetime players. They know exactly what to do, and both of them looked good yesterday. But I think, uh, again, for the Twins, they're only going to go as far as Carlos takes them. Even though he didn't drive in any runs, he probably made the most important uh, play in that game with a bare hand and the rocket home to, to get, uh, I think that was Bijou out. or uh, Bichette. It was yeah, Bichette. Bichette out. Yeah. Uh, that, was, that was only a play that you could do. If uh, your heartbeat is slow, if mm. you've been there before, uh, but it was degree of difficulty. It was a 15 out of 10, and he made it look uh, easy. Yes, yeah, so easy. In fact, that it was, it felt easy to criticize Bo Bichette for deciding to go home in that moment. Last one for you, Alex. Yeah, I mean, so he returns off the injured list. 
as does Royce Lewis, who hits the two home runs yesterday. And we heard the anecdote from Rocco Baldelli that he's never seen a player be able to recover from an injury, not even recover from an injury as quick as Royce Lewis, but like get back into game shape as quickly as Royce Lewis and not need a rehab assignment, which is obviously impossible now with the minor league season ending. Like how difficult is that? Put that in perspective to not play a game for two weeks, not be 100% and to step into a playoff game and hit two home runs. And well, I can't put it in perspective. Maybe you guys can, because in my 25 years <laughs> uh, of being a pro baseball player, I've never seen it. I've never seen a young player come in uh, in his first three at bats, you know, Homer, two on Homer and then a walk um, and, and really be playing out of position in DH. So it was very, very impressive. The funny thing is we spoke to him right before the game and he said after the day before practice, he was a no-go. Yeah. That's, that's how bad his hamstring was. And he, he must have had the greatest night of sleep because he said he woke up great, springy. <laughs> uh, he, he texted about Rocco and he said, I'm ready to go. And I mean, I guess like the natural, he was ready to go and uh, delivered in a big way. He sure did. Um, and, and Blue Jays fans upset that he had such a great night's sleep uh, because he was the difference between a, a win and a, a loss for the Blue Jays in game one, trying to even the ser- uh, series this afternoon, 4.30 Eastern time in Minnesota, Blue Jays and Twins, game two of the wild card round. Uh, Alex, appreciate the time. Enjoy the game today. All right. T- take care, guys. Thank you. There's Alex Rodriguez, three-time American League MVP, on the call of this series for ESPN and played in uh, 2004 against that Twins team that won game one of that series in the division series against the Yankees and then lost three straight to lose the best out of five in four games. So they just got to get A-Rod on the squad. That's what I heard. He's there. I don't know how playoff (laughs) rosters work. I don't think you can add retired guys who aren't even in your organization. I was pulling up his, I pulled up his baseball reference because I wanted to get a little context for his playoff numbers. And I was, you know, this is bad to say, but I was hoping he had the like, oh, this was the really bad series where he didn't, but there's just none of them. He got like a bunch of knocks in all of the series. Like there is not the one that I can point to and say, ah, when you're coming off of, there were years, if you add them all together that aren't great, but it's just, I go through just the game log and the hit log here and it's just he was giving you something in every series I mean we've had the whatever the stat was with Bo and Vladdy leading into this their combined two for whatever four for whatever in their postseason career so yeah he uh he balled out when when the time mattered yeah yeah Alex Rodriguez did some things um but yeah no the 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 pressure is starting to mount on this Blue Jays core both um in a reg- regular season sense, a an individual performance sense when it comes to Vladimir Guerrero Jr., who will now have two more years of team control beyond this one when this season is concluding. And then postseason-wise, like, I-, I get it. The Twins players have nothing to do with the 2004 Minnesota Twins that yep. lost three of those four games to the New York Yankees, so it was hard to put the 18-game postseason losing streak on their shoulders. And I guess this current Blue Jays squad wasn't around for one of the six consecutive postseason losses because I'm including the Game 5 loss in the American League Championship Series in 2016 in there, naturally. Mm -hmm. But they're responsible now for five consecutive, right? Yep. And and Vlad and Bo have now both had extra base hits in the postseason. Neither's hit a home run. Mm -hmm. And they've never been a part of a postseason victory. If you're talking about ratcheting up the the pressure year mm-hmm. over year over year and god I, I i hate that we have to do this and it was something that i think i laughed at when people talked about the comparables 
out of the gates to the Maple Leafs mm-hmm. that this Blue Jays team was going to have with their young core and the fact that so much was expected out of them. And, yeah. and would they live up to those expectations? Certainly hasn't happened on the hockey side of things. Like, if we get through another season of this, yeah, where it's no... I mean, for the Leafs, it was no playoff series victories. Yeah. They won games. Obviously, it's a different scenario. Yeah, 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 yeah. But yeah, it's like the the, the parallels between the two, it, it's going to be hard to ignore. It is, but also, like, how dare you compare the Blue Jays to the Toronto Maple Leafs? <laughs> if we, if Austin, if Austin Matthews uh-huh. had the, like, think about all the conversations where we kind of had to, like, stop ourselves from going in on him, and he still had near 40 goals and was a great player in two-way and all... If he had the year that Vladdy is having this year, mm-hmm. there would not be the like, oh, it's going to turn around. Well, no, was, it was, would be. Was 40 goals in 74 games not that for 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 Austin Matthews last year? Was he not? I, this is this is super dumb cross-sport math, but you can kind of like just kind of do a direct goals to homers comparison. Like that's really rudimentary. You can kind of just do that. Would we have killed for 40 homers no, from Vladdy? No, you can't do that. That's bad. That's bad, Matt. That's bad conversion Okay, rate. could I ask for 30? Yeah, okay. 40, okay. 40 is, I, I think it's less than, than 30 home runs. 40 goals is less. It's a, but you're right. It's like around 30. So this is maybe, you know what? The, the season that Austin Matthews had mm-hmm. last year is probably comparable to Vlad's 2022 season, where it was like, yeah, it was a down okay. comparison. Sure. And you know what? It's amazing because, yeah, Matthews coming off the 60-goal mm-hmm. season, there's a direct yes. straight line comparable. 2021, it's like, holy cow, mm-hmm. look at what you can do. And all right, so it's it's disappointing in comparison. It's still yep. above average. So this, is, this would be the season Vlad had this season mm-hmm. would be Austin Matthews scoring 30 goals this year. Yeah, and we would all be up in arms and ready to like charge the castle gates about what has da- <laughs> drastically gone wrong there. So it is, you've talked about it all year long about what a big, who knows what this off season can be with the conversation yes. that can be had. If you all would like to pun on that conversation for at least one more day, right? go win a game. And yeah. I understand that that's not the way those guys operate. I understand you can't just, it is the sport that you can least decide to just go win the game. You have to find a way. We cannot be sitting here talking about how many years of this core where they literally do not win a game. That uh-huh. just flat out cannot happen. But unfortunately, hate to be the bearer of bad nudes, very much in the cards. Very go, much possible. You go from 2021 in which Vladimir Guerrero Jr. was the best hitter in the sport. You had a second baseman hit the most home runs in the history of the sport at that position. You had... Yeah. Uh, the American League Cy Young Award winner, and you missed the playoffs by a single game. Yes. Next year, you had all the games at home in mm-hmm. the postseason. You blew a ginormous lead in the second game of that yes. postseason series. The first game of that series was your young stud's first postseason game, and he stubbed his toe severely. Mm-hmm. To go into the next postseason. Uh, by, by the way, he is not resurfaced. Uh, it might have been beginning of the end. <laughs> uh, it was not good ever since that moment. You go into the next season, you only win 89 games. You are on the road against an 87-win Twins team. And to not show up and lose both of those games, yeah, there's a building narrative here. And while the evaluation of the front office is probably taking place over a longer sample, telling you, a lot of the pressure could be relieved, not just with a victory today, but a victory today and a victory tomorrow. Um, but we'll see. They Bat- got Jose Barrios on the mound. Bats have to come through, but only score seven. When it got to eight last year, things got weird. So just seven. Good point. We'll be back tomorrow. Bye-bye.